Is it still snowing? No. For you, Jim. But it, it no, but yesterday it was brutally cold for about I guess the whole weekend was brutally cold. And this morning I went out to walk to one of the dogs and the snow is dripping, so it seems like it's warming up. I think it's gonna be a warm week. I'm excited. Hmm. Excited for a warm week. Let the chickens out for the first time in like a week. I leave them. So the chickens just stay in the coop? Like well, because I, I had never really thought like about that. A foot and a half of snow outside, and I'm afraid they're going to get yeah. too far away and then not make their way back. Uh. A couple of weeks ago, well, you might have started my stories. The the mean rooster was. I went in and checked the coop after the big snowstorm, and he wasn't in there. I was like, "Oh man, that's it." He's because what happens is one by one they get picked off by the by the hawks and stuff, and sometimes they go out in the field and they get picked up by a wolf or you know a fox or a coyote, and. Anyway, I was like, oh, the, the only one with the most personality, he's gone. That's it. And I was like, you know what? Let me go check the blacksmith shop because sometimes at night when they don't make it back in time and the door gets closed, Taylor closed the door early one evening at like 5 o'clock. Even though it was dark out, we assume they're all in there. But I usually close the door at like 10 o'clock. And anyway, he got locked out and he was in the blacksmith shop for the big snowstorm the whole time. So he was outside for like three days outside the coop, just hanging out in the blacksmith shop, just like being like, hmm, I guess someone's going to find me. And so I went out there and, huh. and he was there. I thought he was gone for good anyway, but I went out there as a last ditch effort just to see. And the whole time there's like two feet of snow. So like to walk 10 feet, it's like trudging through two feet of snow. Is And anyway, so I walked in, he was there. I got him, I threw him back in the coop. And that was, that was about probably less like Tuesday. Wednesday, hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday. So they, they've been locked up ever since. I check on them. They're all good. They're having fun. You know, they do like indoor hmm. stuff. Like when they can't go outside, they like play Monopoly and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask if the rooster learned how to blacksmith while he was stuck in there by himself. <laughs> how about snowshoes for chickens? Those little tennis racket looking things? <laughs> there yeah, we right. go. Their, their feet fan out. So you they can walk on top of the surface of... The snow now it's a little bit compacted and also been cold and hot, cold and cold and less cold. So there is a layer of ice on top of everything. But yeah, no. So I, I just don't want to let them out because if they get too far flung, then they probably get wrapped up in a snow drift or something. Hmm. It's, it was like it was like uh, sixty degrees here yesterday. <laughs> so sorry about Man. your snow. <laughs> I mean, it's not warm, but it's, you know, it's just on the, the actually, I guess, high 50s. But It's been about, and stuff. this weekend it was 20 degrees all day on Saturday, because I drove to Vermont to go look at a, a tool a tool sale. And I, so I drove to Vermont to go look at all these antique tools that I might end up picking up, at least some of them. And then uh, the whole day it was like 19 degrees, all the way up there and all the way back. And then yesterday it was like in the high 20s. And this morning it finally feels a little bit out of that brisk, brisk. So... It's going to be nice. I got stuff to do today, so I don't have to crank up the heat. The other thing, too, is like when you run your own shop and you crank on the heat every couple of days or every day, you go outside and instead of like acknowledging, ooh, it's cold today, the first thing I acknowledge is, ooh, it's going to cost a lot of propane today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the first Mm -hmm. thing I think of (laughs) when you live in these climates. It's like you just go outside, you're like, oh, God, it's going to be another $100 day. (laughs) Got to make every minute count. Yeah, that's it. That's crazy. Yeah, it's tough living up here in the tundra. And then, like uh, Eric Hansel Rescue, where he lives, yesterday we did a podcast last night. He said it was thirty-five degrees below zero Celsius. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my gosh. C- Celsius, That's insane. Yeah, That's crazy. That's probably like twenty or thirty degrees below zero f- Fahrenheit. So, I my shop is detached and so in the winter time when it hits zero out gets below zero i don't keep the heat on all the time i don't as far as i'm aware there's no reason to heat the shop when i'm not in there am i hurting any of my tools that way i, I would imagine it might ruin some finishes and chemicals but the, the tools should be fine right the only thing that might happen to the tools is they'll sweat yeah. So they'll yeah. keep the cold, and then when it gets warm, they'll sweat. And that always happens to all my machine tools in the spring and the summer, the spring yeah. and going into the fall, because you have those days when it's cold, and of course it warms back up. And then the tools sweat, and if you're not there to pay attention and wipe them off, they'll rust. So that's the one thing you really got to be careful of, is making sure that your tools don't get sweaty. And you just keep them covered with a nice layer of oil. That's really that, that. And nothing gets so sweat, nothing gets so rusty that it's you can't just wipe it off. 
But that is yeah, that is really the only risk for a while. Yeah. Hmm. Well, David, what what have you been up to last week? Um, we didn't we didn't work on anything over the week. We went Dan and I went to the antique mall and we went shopping and we found a couple of things. Found this old toolbox that I think I'm going to restore on the channel and uh, an old Polaroid camera. Now I'm, I think I'm up to 13 or 14 Polaroid cameras. So that kind of prompted me to, I'm going to make a Polaroid video, I think next week. And I don't know what it is yet, but I think we're going to, tr- My if anybody has ideas, like um, feel free to tweet at me. But we, I might take a photo, like four Polaroid photos of an object um, from different angles and then make that into a box sort of so you got each polaroid on the four faces of the box that's something that i'm playing with or if i can figure out how to do some sort of woodworking thing into a polaroid photo for a piece of art i don't know so but i do want to kind of show off the polaroid collection i know um marquise brownlee has a uh, retro tech polaroid video coming out real soon and i kind of want to time it with with that because i might be able to get some some traffic from the recommended there so yeah i got a I got a whole bunch of film i've been sitting on i just need to use uh you know the stained glass candles tubes that you made the stained yeah. glass lamp shades that you made the way the glass yeah. slides down it would be cool if the polaroids slid down you could hold them like that rearrange them like if you made like a grid kind of uh-huh. like a connect four type of grid where you can uh-huh. slide them in because they're kind of like chipboard in a way that they're they have a body on their own hmm. i like that um something like that could do like like a like a, a changeable grid where maybe if like you take photos of something that's all kind of like one monotone color uh, and and kind of play with that or if it can get some you know sort what another thing montage. that's coming to mind and I'm looking at your door behind me is what's inspiring me you have the door oh. with the diamonds in it mm-hmm. not that you would have the pictures oriented in a diamond but if you had them in a grid and at each where the where the four corners of all four Polaroids came together you had like a dime and the dime had notches above and below it so that you could have Every Polaroid is held in by a corner of. Mm-hmm. You, know, hmm. you could even, you could even make them like old school corners that look like the ones that would be in like a turn of the century like, photo album. Ooh, so you could yeah. kind of prop them into the oh, corners. Yeah. But I'm picturing a grid where ever wherever there's a corner, there's like a, a circle of wood hmm. dot, <clears throat> and you could rearrange them as well. It's funny. I, I was with my friend Ramy the other day, and she's she's on she's in some of my Instagram stories. She's a close family friend. She hangs out here all the time. And her Instagram is Fox and Den. And I was with her, and she's an interior designer who works in Bali. And she's flipping through her phone. I'm like, did you rearrange, did you arrange your apps in color? She's like, oh, yeah. So when you swipe through her phone, <laughs> all her apps are in color order. It yeah, goes from, wow. like, blue to purple to, like, whatever. Like, you don't even pay attention to the color of an app when it's right next to another color. That's when you finally realize, like, when they're all grouped together. So her whole phone is arranged in color apps, which is unbelievable. It's a lot of time on an airplane. She goes to Bali a lot. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> so Every- I picture, like, a wall of Polaroids with, like, a hue. And if it's big enough, it starts to look like a different image. We have the images inside right. the, the pixel image. Yeah, at a, at a couple dollars per photograph, that would be a very expensive <laughs> image. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, every year, I I get the intentions of taking photos of some fall leaves, but rearranging them in, in like a gradient of their colors. You know, I see so many people do so many cool things with, with the leaves. Just Look up Andy and- Goldsworthy. Do you ever see Andy Goldsworthy? No, I'll look that up look now. Look up right now. Famous, and I famous never do British it. artist. He's still alive. Andy Goldsworthy rearranges leaves in color order and sticks and icicles. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. this is huge. Oh, it's sculptures, too. Oh, man. <laughs> He's uh, world famous. He's an incredible artist. And he, his, a- his net result is a photograph because all his work is arranged nature, which lasts for just a little bit of time. He makes snow. Uh, he makes like he does rain rain shadows where like there's a moment it's about to rain and he lays on the ground and has either somebody lays on the ground and then they get up quick and they photograph it there's a uh a, a new and this is totally off topic but a new instagram um channel i've been following called things arranged neatly 
And this guy, he had a, a Tumblr, and I think he would just collect photos and put them on his Tumblr. I've but been then following it for like ten years. The Tumblr, he, yeah. It, and then great. he started doing it himself, and now he has a book. And it's 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 very everything is nulled perfect, and the photograph is beautiful. It's like it's it's one of my favorite channels now. I just love looking yeah. at. It's almost like an exploded view of parts, like things would be taken apart and then just laid out neatly on a table and photographed well. Yeah, really cool. Cool. Yeah. So, Bob. Uh, well, you. Yeah. What are you Me. working on? Um, we did a f- kind of fun thing this past week that should be out by the time this show is out. Um, I wanted to do a Christmas. <laughs> actually, it's kind of a funny path to get to the final thing, but I wanted to do a Christmas themed project. And the original idea, been on my list for like a year, was to make a small Christmas ornament that had that was powered by a string of lights. You plug in. And I was thinking it would have a small DC motor in it with a something that would spin around the ornament. <clears throat> so like, you know, I don't know, like a train going around the bottom of a little tiny Christmas tree or something like that. And so that was the original idea. And so we found these um, these things called twirlets, which is a little <laughs> yeah sounds like toilets, but <laughs> um, the they're made to hang an ornament on, and then it has a little tiny motor in it. And it spins the ornament, and then that the little motor plugs into the light string. And something, and well, that's like a great, you know, it does half the work for us. We just like put that inside something and whatever. Order a couple of these things; they're five or six bucks a piece. Complete garbage. Like they don't work. They they don't work with nothing hanging on them. And then you know they're not going to like actually spin something if they can't run free. And we tried both of them. I tried taking them apart and like. Is it just them or defective product or just totally underpowered? I don't know, but they just didn't work. And so that was supposed to be, there's something loud happening behind me. Um, that was supposed to be the project, and this was a couple of weeks ago, and it didn't work. So then we started kind of trying to figure out, like, well, what are we going to do instead? We went back to an idea that we had last year, and in this one conversation went from like a little tiny spinning thing to oh we could make a uh, big crazy light thing that goes on top of a christmas tree and then we could make a little tiny video game that's hung on a christmas tree and then we could oh let's just make a christmas tree that's a video game so that's where we ended up so we basically made strips of lights 50 lights each seven strips that are all joined at the top and so they're on a pole so we made a Christmas tree shape, these long, straight strings of lights, and then turned that into a video game grid and made a big pedestal with two buttons for left and right. And the other day, like, I guess Friday night, we took it downtown to our little small town, downtown area where everybody hangs out, and we set it up on the side of a building. And people walk by and be like, hey, you want to play a game? And they'd come over and we'd have to explain <laughs> snow falls from the top in, in light form. <laughs> And you're controlling a little colored dot on the bottom, and you just go left and right, try to avoid the falling snow as much as you can. And it was so much fun. <laughs> and the colored dot is like, like one of the last lights. It's the bottom row, and so all you can do is move left How and right. How did you program that? <laughs> it actually, it actually didn't take very long. It was I did the majority <laughs> of the programming without even testing it, which was pretty fun. Um, That's incredible. But it was it was cool because the thing we started with one little idea that didn't work and it forced us to think about something else and then we kind of combined some past ideas and as soon as we I, I mentioned like yes let's do a Christmas tree that's a video game and as soon as I mentioned it I knew what the game was and I knew how to program it and it felt really like a bunch of different things throughout my career are now just syncing together to make this really fun thing to solve this you know we need a a christmas video and it's like everything kind of just hit together that's great so basically um we we set it up in this little square downtown people would walk up and we'd explain the game to them they'd come up and just play the game and it's fast enough that like you know they'd lose a couple of times really quickly and then they'd play it for a little bit longer and then they would uh, somebody else would come play and everybody would kind of mosey back and get in line again to come play it again because everybody's like, "Oh, it's <laughs> fun!" And not, and we had like you know senior citizens coming to play, um, 
just random kids that were walking around doing like Pokemon Go came and played. Families that were taking pictures downtown, getting their Christmas pictures, they came and played. It was really cool. Um, That's fun. Awesome. And then we just tore it down. We set it up for a couple hours <clears throat> and then tore it down. And then the city came and kicked you out. <laughs> no, we actually did check with the city to make sure that they didn't mind. We were there and uh, they were totally fine with it. So we could stay as long as we wanted. So it was cool. But we didn't plan on making it uh, weather. Did you videotape? The, did you make the videotape the reactions of the citizens? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah. So the whole wrap up for the video will be down there. People playing it and enjoying it and stuff. And it wasn't like we had a ton of people, but <clears throat> there were enough people that they got to enjoy it. You know, um, it was a lot of fun. I'm happy with it. Uh, that's what we did this past week. Made a giant video game, which was actually kind of weird to make and test <clears throat> without setting it up. We made it in these strips of lights. So it's essentially a grid, but we pinched the grid at the top. So it had like a pyramid type shape. But I had to, and, yeah, they were like 12 feet long, each one of these strips. So I had it laid out in the floor in the one space that's big enough to lay them out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Goodness. And then uh, to test the game, we couldn't stand at the bottom of the tree like you should. Like you're looking up the tree. We had to stand off to the side, <laughs> which is incredibly hard to play a game that's left and right when you're like off axis from it. So there were some challenges there. But it was a lot of fun. And I, I really hope the video turns out well and people will get inspired. Because the whole I idea was taking Christmas decorations which are super passive and super just you put them up and then they stay there for a few weeks and then you take them down uh we just wanted to make something that was interactive that people could enjoy and at the same time get the same you know christmas decoration feeling from so that's really cool that's what we did yeah it was fun it seems um, almost impossible i'm still like amazed that you could control <laughs> the lights that are coming on the thing like individually i i can't wait to see how did that <clears throat> How do you send well, an impulse I mean, to each? So all 12 strands come to a control box, obviously. Yeah, so there's a, a little Arduino at the top, and each strand of lights is, each light on each strand is addressable. So you can say, like, you know, number four on strand two, set it to this color. And um, I don't know, like, I actually explain it in the video that it's like a, a grid, and each position on that grid has an X and a Y coordinate. And then you're just telling lights at certain coordinates to be certain colors. And if you go left and right, you're just changing the X coordinate of the bottom row. Oh, okay. <clears throat> that makes sense. You know, so it's it's actually a lot simpler than you would expect. And then the randomizing, is it a that. script that just repeats itself a couple of different mirrored image ways? So the randomizing at the top, following it just picks one of the, the top row, just one of the numbers. It's, you know, there were seven. So it's, it gets a random number between zero and seven and then turns one of those on. And then every kind of tick of the game, every you know millisecond or whatever, it just takes anything that's lit up and it moves it down one row. Wow. And it just keeps doing that. And yeah. then every time it moves down to a certain point, it creates a new one at the top row again and right. just moves those down. So it just continually falls. And it gets, you know, the longer you play, it gets heavier, it gets thicker, and they fall faster. And <laughs> it's cool. absolutely impossible to play because it's just this sea of white lights just coming down you can't avoid them and that was really <laughs> funny there's this one of the the kids uh, that we know that came to play he's a i don't know he's like 14 15 something like that he's a teenager really into video games plays you know Fortnite all the time and whatever else cool kids are playing and he came up and played the game and got really good at it and then he got to the point to where you can't beat it Right, it's just this solid white sheet, and he's like, "No, there's got to be a way." <laughs> <laughs> so he kept coming back because he was super confident that if he could play Fortnite or whatever Call of Duty, <laughs> then he can beat this one. And I'm like, "No, I kind of intentionally made it so that you can't win." That's the move that the line crazy. along. This is yeah. going to be an esports yeah, exactly. game. Exactly, it was soon. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas tree. Yeah, but that's what we did. It's basically it Space Invaders, basically, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. That's cool. Jimmy, our and audience was, has no idea what Space Invaders are. If, if you're <laughs> under 30 years old, they have no idea. Yeah, Space might. Invaders Probably was like some... one of the most, for, was the first really successful video game in like pop culture that I remembered. It was mm -hmm. a, and then a couple of years later it became Pac-Man. 
but Space Invaders is basically things fall from the sky and you shoot at them or get out of the way. This is Space Invaders without the rockets. Yeah. yeah. So. And I it was interesting because I didn't think I would enjoy the programming aspect of it that much because it's been a long time since I've done that type of work. And it was really frustrating at first, but then once I was able to solve the problems and we got the game working, I was like, I want to spend more time on this and, you know, add features and like we can make it two player so you have to avoid the other person and the stuff falling or you you know i don't know i just started thinking like oh this would be really fun to like do again next year and amp it up yes space invaders wallpaper (gasps) Ooh. 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 there you go (gasps) wallpaper video games (laughs) Ooh. it's really funny that you say that because huh I was Uh-oh. thinking yesterday that I wanted to continue to Keep like, play with work this on idea. the game yeah. and change it, but I don't want to have this giant tree set up. So I was like, oh, I'll make a small grid of the same number of LEDs, and I can set it on my desk, and I can work on it here and there, just work on the code. But building it into a wall? Mm-hmm. Inside the secret Genius. closet in the attic. Dude, 20 million views. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> there you I go. might do it. You never know. <laughs> Uh, remind me after the in the after podcast because it's a little bit of a nerdy conversation I'll, in the in the after show. Remind me to ask me about video games. I have interesting news. Oh, <laughs> okay. really? Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to write that down, but I'm pretty sure I'll remember that. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy's in the new Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me. The guy with the eye patch. That's me. <laughs> No, well, what I thought we could do today is um, kind of we last week. I think it was last week we talked about stuff we were thankful for this past year. But you know, we usually do some sort of a kind of wrap up for the year, and I think this is going to be our last show for the year because I'm going on vacation. Yeah, so my bad. But um, <laughs> no, maybe we, maybe we just talk about kind of wrap up the years for Heck yeah ourselves yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I don't know, anybody want to go first? Yeah, I can go first because uh, it's been I've been heavily thinking about these. This year and my, I, my, my YouTube channel suffered a little bit because I didn't really put out, there was a block of time where I was putting out a consistent amount of, of content. And the, in these last few months, I haven't been putting out a consistent amount of content, but I've been focusing on a lot of stuff in the background, like the gene company. And I just made a, I just uh, struck a deal with a company that's going to work on my website exclusively. So my website will be constantly updated, constantly being like available. And so it, going into the end of the year, looking back, uh, I, I had a great year. I mean, I mean, every year has been been better than the previous year. You know, all thankful to everything derived from my my YouTube channel. So for that, I'm very thankful. But I spent a little bit too much time traveling this year. Remember, we talked about that. That was one of the episodes we talked about traveling. But I did learn a tremendous amount in traveling. I always like if it, even if it's a trip where I think to myself. Oh, I got to do this again. I have to stop and think, okay, what can I learn from the ex- experience? What can I take away from it? Same thing like when you're sitting at the motor vehicle. I'm like, I'm like, okay, even though this is horrible, what can I think? How can I use this experience to, I'll research something on Wikipedia. I'll, you know, I'll take that opportunity to research something or check an email. But these last few trips got me thinking, and I talked about it in the Fitzall podcast last night as well. It's got me thinking that, Going into the new year, I want to turn my my environment into a factory. And I kind of developed in the last couple of years, in the last couple of months, I should say, I developed this this mindset. And it's really, it's completely related to my travel because on my trips, I saw factories, I saw people developing concepts, I saw people selling concepts. So I can't really count on advertising money anymore. I really, it's, you know, it comes and goes, it comes in big splashes and then no splashes and then little dribbles and drabs. But... I want to be able to go into like my later years knowing that I have a product line that's going to constantly keep generating an income, at least a livable income for me. So that's why I decided to look at my environment and make my environment my factory. All my shops combined together is the factory. And in that factory, I'm going to develop products. I'm going to sell them on my website. And that's what I've been doing. But I've really been like focusing on like content creation and advertising more than developing long-lasting product lines. The ice pick is a product line that obviously is not going away anytime soon. They keep selling, and I'm thankful for that. So I want to take advantage of that. I want to 
And my business partner, his name is Howard. So I was talking to Howard, and I might have said this at one point in the last couple of years because it's been on my mind. When people buy Duresta products and they don't care what my name is, that's when I'll be really successful. So that's my goal is to sell Duresta products to people who like the product and then realize what the name is secondarily because it doesn't matter what they like. I buy things on Amazon all the time. I don't care who it's from. I don't know the name of the company. I just think Mm -hmm. it's a cool product. So when that's happening to the Duresta website, then, then I will be very successful in my product company. And so that's really what I'm going to do. I'm going to basically look at what I've done, look at what I have, look at the tools I've bought, and all the while using antique machines to keep the story interesting for me and for the fans, using interesting antique printing presses. I just got my Heidelberg windmill press going in the last couple of weeks, which is an unbelievable piece of machinery. I mean, I want to just print stuff. And by the way, guys, we got to do our postcard set. It's going to be printed on the Heidelberg. It's such an unbelievable machine. It's just, it's like, it's just unbelievable. Like, I can't believe somebody thought of this thing a hundred years ago. Mm. And the one I have is 50 years old. And it, my, the one I have is made in the 50s, 1950. How long ago was that? It was, this machine is that old and it works unbelievably perfect. It's like, it doesn't seem like it could ever, anything could ever go wrong with it. So stuff like that intrigues me to be able to make product on these antique machines. This weekend I was in Vermont uh, a fan named Dan called me and said he rents a space in an old factory, an old wood factory that's going, it's gone out of, it's closed down. It's not gone out of business. Just the owner's aged out and there, there's no one to take it over. It's been a business for three or four generations. So there's tools there that the 80 year old owner was showing me around. He said, oh, we retired this when I was like five years old. A tool that his great grandfather bought that was made in the 18, 1880s, 1860s, 1870s. In the same factory, the same location in Vermont. So I'm going to buy a couple of these tools from this guy that were manufactured in like the 1860s, 1870s that his family used to make wooden boxes and wooden products back then, like brush handles and all kinds of wooden wooden toys. So to buy one of those machines and then make a product on it and then offer it for sale. like So that's that's become my focus toward the end of this year. It's uh, So looking back, like I... and. All these experiences all funneled into this. It became super clear to me in the last in the last month, month and a half. So looking at the year, thinking I was kind of wasting some time. And, you know, my like I said, my YouTube channel suffered a little bit, but I'll come back. I'll come back from the dead. I always do. I just need a couple of viral videos. I published a lot of my Easy old enough. content. I published a lot of my old videos on the channel and, you know, people got annoyed with me, but I needed to navigate that content back to my own, my own database. So, you know, if, if nothing else, it's on my YouTube channel and it's published, people can see it. It is a big resource for me personally, when I deal with people and I deal with clients and I'm like, oh, you know what? I did this video where, you know, go look at Google this and then they'll Google that wherever they are in the world. And they'll be like, oh, wow, this is exactly what I'm talking about. So, I mean, it helps the audience because they get to see cool new stuff. The lifers that have been with me from the beginning get annoyed with me, and I apologize. But it's just a way for me to navigate all the content into one database. And so I'm working. I'm going to take a break from the Throwback Thursdays right now because they're they're, they're not even breaking 100,000 views. So, But I am working on a new vlog, so I'll put a new vlog out in the next couple, hopefully by the end of the week I've been working on. It's going to include a lot of the activities that happened over the summer. So, I don't know. It's been a good year. I got, it's very, it's, I've been very introspective and in thinking about, you know, the next few years and where I'm going from here. And, you know, every, every couple of years doing what we do, you have to reinvent yourself every couple of years to keep it exciting for yourself, but also mm-hmm. to keep it exciting for an audience if you have an audience. And you just, you just got to keep asking yourself what's next. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing a lot. And, I, not, and you, you don't always, the answer isn't always there, but you got to keep asking. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think, um, I mean, looking ahead to next year, I'm, it's all about reinventing myself. And I think I used this year to kind of set me up for that. Like this year was the staging area because last January I took, I took the metal sculpting class and that really changed everything for me. I had somebody hands on teaching me how to, yep. hammer those leaves, you know, and use a forge and, and welding and, 
and piecing this all together and thinking about the, the the end piece and the vision of it. So that really got me into some metalworking and I was able to buy some new equipment and actually take some older equipment that I've already had and, and put it to use. And that led to somehow it led to me buying a go-kart and I was <laughs> able to use that metalworking stuff to correct some things and fix some things on that. And now, it, that, I think that's setting me up for, for next year. And I want to get... I, th- I think I'm a decent woodworker. I think I'm a, a, a decent uh, video maker. So what I lack in is storytelling. And that's what I want to get into next year. And so I'm going to use all these things, all these new techniques and skills and tools that I picked up in 2019 and learn how to tell stories with that next year. And... um and maybe it's going to be less how-to. Maybe it's going to be less, like, follow along with me and more of just, like, let's go on a journey and, and use these and see what, what happens. So, uh, man, well, what, I mean, what a, what a great year. I mean, I even did some, we did some relief printing and some screen printing. And maybe that's going to translate into something next year as well. So I, I really feel like this was just a big setup year, just a staging year for, for what's about to come. I like to put it that way because I feel the same way. And then, you know, with the racetrack that I purchased and, you know, that's going to present a whole new series of opportunities for me coming in the coming year, which I haven't had much. And now it's completely covered in snow. So, but I have had uh, my buddy, my buddy, Tony's been in there slowly staging it, getting it ready to ripping out all the unnecessary fodder from the previous owner that we don't need ripping out the ceiling, ripping up the floor, doing a lot of preparation work. So when we get in there, as soon as it starts to warm up, the work to convert it to what I see to my vision will be a little bit easier. So there has been stuff going on behind the scenes. I just haven't shown any of it. There's even, like you said, I like the idea of a setup year. Yeah. yeah. There's even parts of me thinking because I have limited space, like maybe I reduce the wood shop a little bit. Maybe I get smaller tools. Maybe I don't need a joiner anymore. This and, and condense that into something a little bit smaller to make room for other things. But we'll see. I, I have all these crazy thoughts and, um, a lot of times I'm thinking too far ahead <clears throat> and it, it's great to have like these grand visions, but if they're t- too many steps ahead, you end up never doing them. So I need to, I need to take a little baby steps. I need to, you know, just experiment a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually on board with everything both of you guys said. I feel like this year has been uh somewhat of a setup for i think what's coming but also i've spent a huge amount of time this year in my own head just trying to figure out kind of uh what the evolution is of this whole thing yeah and you know exactly it's, it, it's tough because there's it's i don't know it's a career that we're all making up as we go along <laughs> the landscape that we work in is changing all the time and probably our nature as makers is to just always chase another iteration of like, well, what's another thing I could make, right? You know, being a business or being an opportunity or being an outlet for a thing. It's just like, well, what's another thing I could do? What's another. And so I've been spending a lot of time this year just going like, I don't know what's the next thing. Like, and do I want to add more things? Do I need to replace a thing? Like what? I don't know. I, it's weird. It's, you know, it's funny. Cause I never really thought about that. Like you just think like, Oh, this, this is an, an interesting opportunity for, you know, for us and the viewers and the people, you know, there's a blurred line between fandom and, and creators. And that's a great thing because it's like a whole new genre of entertainment information. And then it's funny when I hang out with Laura, we, she was in my, my vlog about a year ago and she's like, what's next? Like, what's after this? She's like, what's next? And I never thought about it until she really put the question to me. Like, I, she's like, this can't go on forever, but what is it going to be after this? What is it for all of us after this? And it's an interesting question. And, and again, you know, me, I'm getting older. I'm really starting to think about like the next 20 years. What does that look like? I, I you know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be, I'd like to think it would be fun to keep doing YouTube videos. Are people going to still be watching me when I'm 60 years old? Yeah. Yeah, no, like, like I'm 20, I'm, you know, is it? <laughs> I'm getting gray already. Like people are not going to want to continue to look at my gray face, you know. 
I in did, another whatever. On my Patreon, I did, a, I did a throwback to the guitar video, which is about to break 20 million views. And in it, I'm like 20 pounds lighter and my beard is all black. And I'm like, oh my God, who is that young guy? <laughs> that was six years ago. It was six or seven years ago. I was like, oh God. I'm in that aging process right now where things are starting to we look a little We should all go ahead and hire somebody that does the deep fake videos so that uh. they can continue to make <laughs> us look <laughs> like 30 years old in all of our future videos. Well, it's I think important that might be the plan. To think, like, if you're, as you're getting older, your current viewers, your current people who watch you, they're also getting older. So hopefully, like, you create a good relationship with them and they'll stick yeah, with like you when and, you go to a Metallica concert and everybody's yeah, like every, really young Everybody's stuff. gray and, yeah. <laughs> old at a metallica concert yeah that's crazy yeah yeah Yeah, i mean i've spent a lot of time thinking about this that same stuff this year about how i've always had the hope that i like to make stuff would not be bob that it would be that it would outlive me right and be something useful and valuable to people even when i'm not and i think i'm i don't know if it's like midlife crisis types time period or whatever but there's a there's a mortality right like you start to recognize mortality and you're like well how do i start to set up this thing to exist not when i'm dead i don't mean that but like without me like how can how can this thing be valuable without me being in front of a camera how can this thing be useful to people and not about me i think that's the big thing that i've struggled with for this year is like what does that look like how do i set that up now so that i don't you know I don't get to my late fifties and be like, well, I guess I should figure out what to do with this whole thing. (laughs) You know, like I got to start that now so that it can be useful so that it can add value over the next 20, 30 years. I think you should start working your children into being the hosts of some of the videos. Ooh, I don't want that for them. I mean, if they want that, if they want that, if they want that. But, but they, they're they too young to know if they want that right now. Not right now. It's like if you I say YouTube, they're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. do it. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> no, that's not like this is it's 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 too much to throw someone into without them having a, a severe passion for it. Well, I OK, think. if they become yeah. passionate about it, it would be a good legacy for them to get into if they wanted to. Yeah. Even if yeah. they simply just hosting, you know, duties, that's it. Not necessarily building and, you know. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Just it it would be it would be fun to see. It'd be a good family activity. If I the, think if they were yeah. you don't want to be a stage dad and like poke them with a stick. Get right. on camera. Yeah. <laughs> Smile more. Are they <laughs> yeah. uh is the oldest un- understand that dad is a you know quote unquote famous YouTuber? Because YouTube is huge with the younger audience and like Anytime I go to like a, a family event and there's, you know, like a 17 or 18 year old there and he's like, wait, what, what you have, how many subscribers? Like, like their eyes get so big yeah. because kids, Bobby Duke said when he, when he, when he brings his young daughter to school, all of her girlfriends are like, oh my God, that's Bobby Duke. He's like, dad, will you leave? I don't want them to see you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, it, uh, there was something else about this past year I was going to say, oh yeah, like we got the farm this past year and that was a a big step toward um like one of the things that's next you know it was a new slate a new opportunity set of opportunities um and so now i'm at the point and over the past couple months i've been trying to figure out like what what do i do what's the first step there what do i turn that into and the idea originally was to use it as more of a like a uh, an event type space to be able to do things there and maybe have classes and stuff. And then once we got it and I spent enough time there, I'm like, this is kind of my retreat. Like, I got, I don't want to share this. This sounds super selfish. I get it. But like, no, it makes sense. this weekend I went out there all day Saturday. My wife told me like, you should go to the woods <laughs> by yourself. <laughs> like I can tell you need to go outside. So I went and spent the entire day out there by myself in the woods no phone, no music, no podcasts. And I walked around and I made a trail and it was awesome. And I didn't want to share it with anybody that I don't love. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's good in that I found a place that I can retreat to and have just some like nature and, and, and I can share with people that I know need that too. Like my family and friends and you guys and everybody 
come use it. Come, you know, go hike, go build something, whatever. That's fine. But I don't really want to have classes there. I don't want it to be a a, a marketable place. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's like, and I didn't really expect that. So that changed a little bit of how I was uh, thinking of using the space. And so now I've been trying to figure out, well, with that in mind, how do I still make it useful to a, a select group of people outside of myself and my family? Um, what can I do there that's both interesting for me to make and to have, but also useful for those people? And so I think I've got some ideas there and I'm trying to figure it out. Um, but then there's this other part of me that says, well, we still need that that other space. We still need that public useful, wide, local, you know, there's, I don't know, there's like this other whole thing and I don't have that space and I don't really want to buy more space, <laughs> but, but I, I kind of see, you know, I'm getting like a little more clear definition of like what the farm is, but I still think there's a need for this other thing. And I don't know what that looks like or what all it can offer or where it is or any of that stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I wish, I honestly wish that I could have gotten to this end of this year with a really clear next year's going to be blank or like I learned so much that now I know I'm going to blank. I don't have that. It's been a, a year of tons of good of ups and downs as far as growth and stuff. Um, but it, it has not been as clear as I would have hoped, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and and also I mean I'm, I I think this year has taught me a little bit more about being transparent about some of this stuff because you know there's that thing where you like you want to look whether you mean to or not you want to look like you got it all together like you have a plan like you are in control of your stuff and you're responsible and with employees and kids and a wife that rely on me you know there's that thing where you want to seem like you you got it. But I've, I've found that this year, it's more important to those people around you to know that you're like being honest with them about how you're feeling and about how stuff is going than to seem like you have it all together. That's less valuable to other people than it is to you. And I guess I don't have a point to that other than it was a thing that I've come out of this past year realizing that that vulnerability and that openness with people about how your job's going or how you're feeling about your job or how you're looking ahead, that stuff is useful. It's funny because you know? when I see family and friends, they're always like, what's next? What's next? I go, I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like what's going to happen next? I'm like, I don't know. I'll just keep coming up with cool stuff and videotaping it once in a while. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically my job. Yeah. I've done a good job of just figuring it out as I go. Like, not just the YouTube thing, but even before then. And I know this isn't going to last forever, and I just know that I'll figure it out. I've I've got things set in place where, like, uh, you know, I, I sell books, I have plans, I got another book coming out. So there's all these things that will continue to help the business that will allow me to just figure it out when it happens. The one yeah, good I, thing to realize from, from all of us and people listening is the more you output, the more you get back. The more you output, the more you get back. So, and I mean that, you know, the more positivity you output, the more you'll get back. So, for instance, I got a call the other day, Mitsubishi, the car company that sponsored the, the Brad and Jimmy video of us making barbecue in the woods, Brad Leone. We, uh, I got, the, they want me to make them a barbecue. They want me to make the exact replica from the video. <laughs> I'm like, huh. why? They're like, we just want it. I go, do you want it to say Mitsubishi? They go, no, we want it to say Brad and Jimmy, just like you made it in the video. <laughs> oh, that's I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> wow. And so the funny thing was, is me and Brad were joking, like, oh, now we're going to start a barbecue making company, like an open fire pit barbecue company. And he's like, let's huh. do it, dude, let's do it. And so he sent me a message. He's like, hey, the guys from Mitsubishi want you to make one of those. And he goes, I'll get you in touch with them. So it was just, it's just funny knowing, like, that's how it starts, you know? It, it might be the last one I make. But it might be the one, the first one of, you know, the next fifty that I make. I don't know. But you don't be know. open. But one thing for sure is you will never know. If you the one, the only way you will know is if you don't take that first step. And right. I, I also have an article coming out. I think it just came out. Some people are sending me pictures of it in Make Magazine. They did a little, they did a little blurb on me, which was very nice. Uh, 
uh, Caleb did a, a great story. I mean, I have to send him a note. But my fr- I haven't seen it in person. My friend sent me photographs of the article. And so I read it. And I said uh, at one point, uh, some, something in the article, bas- I basically said what I just said, that if, you know, the, the one thing is clear is that y- at least you'll, you'll know. Oh, there it is. There you got it. One yeah, thing you outshined that- me. I wrote an, I'm sorry to interrupt. I wrote an entire <laughs> article for this. And then Jimmy ends up on the cover. <laughs> I thought Typical. I had the whole cover. I didn't know I had like a corner. <sighs> Because Caleb's like, you'll be on the cover. For you. (laughs) Anyway, I basically said, like, you know, the the, people wait and wait and wait for that moment of like inspiration to start their channel to be perfect. You got to just start making stuff. Whatever it is, Mm -hmm. even if it's a small company, you got to just start it because you don't know where it's going to go. You you can't you can't hit the ground with a with a grand slam home run. You got to hit the ground with a couple of ground outs, a couple of you know, singles to, you just, I'm not a baseball player. I have no idea how to make that analogy, but you just have to begin and you, have you to swing. can't wait you have for to swing. it to begin perfect. And I think that's like something that I personally have a tendency against, right? I want to try, I've always tried to figure stuff out before I jump in and try to, well, not always. Usually <laughs> I try to think ahead and I try to make plans so that when I'm, I'm, I'm making an intelligent jump into something new, but I totally recognize that sometimes that is the worst way to go about it because then you just end up spinning your wheels. Maybe if even if you eventually get to it, you end up spending a lot of time thinking about iterating rather than iterating on something and around like trying it and then trying it again and trying it again, you know, that whole fail fast thing where you can just like it's okay to screw up, yeah. but do it often and do it so many times that eventually you're working your way toward better. Rather than trying to solve all the problems ahead of time in your head before you ever put pen to paper or anything. I, had yeah, a, I do that all the time. I had a funny little notion last night. Yesterday, Taylor and I, we, uh, we spent the day in Hudson, which is the cute little town near here. And we, uh, we sat down for brunch and I brought my notebook and I started drawing. I want to do this series of bandsaw videos where I just make cool objects on the bandsaw like I've been doing at, at shows. I just want to do like a 10 minute video of me making a robot or a sword or whatever. And I started drawing what I might make. And I, it's so funny. I tell like, what, like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm trying to, like, I'm trying to make a plan so that when I stand at the bandsaw, I have a better idea what I want to do. I was like, but I'd rather just stand at the bandsaw and just make it up. I'm sitting here trying to draw it and it's not coming out the way I knew it would look if I just started cutting it. And so I did a couple of quick sketches and I didn't feel fulfilled. And I was like, I'll just wait till the camera's on and the piece of wood's in my hand. Because I really have a better idea of what it looks mm. like in my head than when I can draw it. You know what I'm saying? So I could, mm-hmm. draw it on the bandsaw better than I could draw it with a pen and a paper. So there's that, just jumping in, you know. Hmm. That's actually a really interesting thing to think about, that you can sketch with the bandsaw. Because that's essentially yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's I'll like do, whatever. It's I'll just like some again. people are more comfortable with the computer or with pen and paper mm. and bandsaw is, or scroll saw or whatever is the mm. another sketching tool. Huh. Yeah. Huh. There you Interesting. go. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. Any other 2019? What about a highlight? Anybody got like a big, this was like a thing I didn't expect that made 2019 pretty awesome? Yeah, I got one, and it's been it's it led up to where I am right now. It's it's my my factory visit to the Weaver Leather Plant in Ohio. Mm. When I went to Weaver Leather a couple months ago, it really like this is a family business that was started oh, 45, 50 years ago, and it is this huge complex now. They have over half a million square feet of factory space. They make simple products, they make complicated products, but almost every one of the products is made under their roof. They think of something, they say. Let's prototype it. They put it on the website. If it doesn't sell, they take it down. If it sells, they highlight it more on the website. And like the simplicity of that, especially now in this day and age where we don't have to go and knock on doors and go and sell your product, traveling door-to-door salesmen, we have audiences, just put cool stuff up. If they want to buy it, they'll buy it. If they don't want to buy it, the sales will dictate whether it's a good one or not. And just the simplicity of that was like, hey, idiot, you live this life. You're just not focusing on it. And for me, that was really that was really an epiphany for me. I don't know that I have like one standout highlight. I think I just I was it's like a sports team that without any superstars, but you played a good game and you and you won. Um, hmm. Maybe 
the the big left turn has to be purchasing the go-kart and building the new one like like that has really like re-energized me and it's gotten me thinking in a different way so that's my like that's my own personal highlight is just like oh here's this thing i can do so many other new things now and i'm excited to to get started with this cool i I think uh for me it's probably the farm was a big highlight um but as i already kind of talked about that another thing that that really stood out to me and it's kind of weird because it didn't have a as concrete of an impact as I would have, as I can really explain, but going to Italy um, this past summer and getting to hang out with Jocko is he, it was cool. We got to be friends. Like I knew him beforehand a little bit just through, you know, talking and seeing each other at events and stuff, but we got to spend a few days together and I got a much better sense of who he is and how he thinks and to see the operation that he's set up around himself to be able to create ideas quickly. And I don't know, it, it gave me just a different like view. It was like looking at the same thing that we all kind of do from somebody else's perspective it was pretty cool, you know, and, and being in a different place where I didn't get the language and I didn't know anybody except for him and I didn't know him well. And it, it was just a, a kind of discombobulating few days of, you know, like all the stuff that I was comfortable with was gone. And so I just had to be really aware of what was around me. And it was super cool and made a big impact on, on just me looking ahead at what is possible and what we could do and what, I don't know. It was nice. I, I think traveling to another country should always do that to you anyway. You know, it should kind of get you into a place where you're recognizing stuff that you don't realize that you look past all the time. And uh, I think that trip did it. And it's funny because I never really had an interest in going to Italy. Nothing against Italy. It was just like, I don't know, it's a place that sounds cool. Sure. But knowing a person to to go see, I mean, we saw some other friends while we were there too, but going to see specific people got me to a place I wouldn't have probably elected to go. And then realized how beautiful it was and how awesome the culture is and started learning the language. And so for the past year, I've still been trying to continue to learn the language. And now I want to go back just so I can like try to put that into practice a little tiny bit. Oh, wow. <laughs> Order food one time, you know. Can I have pizza, so, please? Like, yes. Pizza's have I told time. you about the American pizza? Did I tell what? you guys about this? What? Tell me. Okay. So in Italy, <laughs> when you go to a, a restaurant, tons of amazing food and local restaurants and stuff like that. When you go and you order... American pizza, what do you think is on American pizza? A hamburger. Pepperoni? I'm guessing. <laughs> no, no. An American French flag. fries and chopped up hot dogs. <laughs> Not joking. That's, That's what they call disgusting. American pizza. I'm making disgusting a face. Right I can't now. wait to try one. <laughs> like whole crinkly French fries mm. just thrown on top of a pizza and then a literal hot dog chopped into little chunks. I could just see some like angry, angry Italian chef going, hey, they want the American. <laughs> 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 pizza. Anyway, I don't know how that I got to Russian that. But uh, yeah, it was a really cool trip. And I think it, it made me excited to go back again this year. We're going to try to to go back to Italy and spend some more time and actually like uh, take better advantage of the time with Jocko to, to make something useful together. I think that's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Jocko's yeah. amazing. Jocko's been a big, a big, a big force in this, in, in our social, social group. Been yeah. a big inspiration in our, in our group of friends. He's amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um, you guys got anything else? I don't want to cut anybody off. I think we're good. I had a good okay. thing to talk about and I can't remember, but I'll look it up now. Well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters because I want to throw this out. For the last year, our Patreon support has gone up really far and then has gone down some. That's okay. But the thing that's really cool is the people that are still there, people that have been supporting us for a super long time. Yes. And, you know, life stuff causes support like that to come and go. Totally get it. But I'm really grateful for the people that, you know, prioritize supporting this show and helping out what we all do as a whole. That's very cool. Uh, so thank you to everybody that helps us out on Patreon, especially our top supporters. Corey Ward works by Solo. Good old Bernie. Chad from Mancrafting. 
good old Chad. Um, I'm not going to say that for everyone, but these are some <laughs> awesome people that we've actually gotten to know. Uh, Maker in Training, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, You Can Make This Too, Modern DIY, and Jenny and Davis. They're our top supporters, but everybody over there um, has helped us out, and we're grateful. We try to do an after show every time, separate little audio show, uh, different feed and everything. That's just for the people on Patreon at every level. So if you want to get that, if you want to hear Jimmy talk about video games, mm-hmm. which I would pay, I would pay for. I'm really <laughs> curious what you're going to say. Uh, go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. Or if you don't care about that and you just want to help out the show, sharing the show with people, telling, giving people a link and saying, like, these guys are fill-in adjective, whatever you think we are, um, <laughs> give them the show and help, you know, let them listen to it. That would be awesome as well. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Did you find it, Jimmy? What you got? I didn't find it, but... I didn't find it, but you know what? I, since it's in my history, I'm going to talk about Jenny Swiss and Habu. Those guys are coming this week to hang out with me to teach me how to use my Heidelberg press. So if you don't know Jenny Swiss, who's uh, part of this community, and if you don't know Habu, who's a fast-growing member of this community, those guys are awesome. They were here one year ago, and then they saw that I got the Heidelberg press, and they're coming from the area where the Heidelberg press was designed and invented. Ooh. And Jenny cool. texted me this morning. He's like, hey, is there any parts you need? I can go get them from the town where the thing gets made. So I don't need <laughs> any parts, awesome. thankfully. But uh, so Jenny Swiss and, and Habu are two great YouTubers that are part of this community. And we're going to be hanging out in a couple of days, making some laser plates and printing presses and stuff. It's going to be fun. So check those guys out. Very cool. Mine is, it's an Amazon Prime video, and it's called F1 Racing Science. And if you, you don't have to care about racing at all to really love this video, it's it's got kind of like, it doesn't have many reviews, and the reviews are kind of meh. Don't let that throw you off. It is, it's really, really good. I had no idea how much tech, I mean... I knew racing, there's a very technical aspect to racing, but F1 racing is just insanely crazy. There's only 10 teams, and each team has two drivers. And the 10 teams, uh, like, it's you're spending anywhere between uh, um, something like $90 million and $200 million, depending on uh, for each year of racing. And they all have their own, like, facilities, hundreds of employees a couple of them have like a thousands of employees and they they design the cars in house and so th- they have to work with these specs and 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 rules but they are making their own bodies they're designing their own bodies and so there's there's resin there's 3d printing there's uh carbon fiber and they're designing and making everything they're scientists and dozens and dozens of engineers on each team it is mind-blowingly crazy how much tech goes into f1 racing it's so good so it's called f1 racing science you don't have to care about racing to really get something out of it it's really super cool i heard something really cool about uh, formula one racing that by 2030 the entire series is trying to go net zero carbon yes so right it's amazing right now the engines are they're hybrid engines I, like i've I I I don't I didn't know anything about F1 racing up until recently. I just started to get into it. And is this that is where the, is that where my my cousin Paul Duresta races? Is that the same thing? I don't think so because there's no Duresta's oh. currently. There's only twenty drivers, so it's like really it's oh. a really hard thing to get into. There's a there's a driver named Paul Duresta. Everybody always asks me if we're related. Yeah. <clears throat> we're not. But <laughs> so right now the engines they're hybrid engines. So it, it's part gas, part electric. And the fuels that they use, I think right now, 10% of the fuel has to be renewable resources. And every year they up that a little bit more mm. and more. And so there, there is a whole, there's FE racing or F, yeah, I think it's FE where it's all electric, but they're a lot slower. But the F1, they're, they're trying to reduce their, their carbon footprint. All the tires, they all get sent back to the manufacturer and the manufacturer collects the data and then they use them. I think they go to some like cement factory plant to um, use for fuel to make the cement or whatever. So they are really trying to reduce hmm. their, their carbon footprint. It's crazy the, the amount of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. That's pretty awesome. Oh, by the way, uh, Paul DeRest is a, a Formula 
one from 2011 to 2013. Became a re- reserve driver for Williams F1 team in 2016, a single race substitute driver in 2017. He's retired oh. now. There you go. Hmm. Looks like me. Exactly. Like oh, yeah, you. totally. Yeah. Less beard, yeah, like half less gray. <laughs> half my age. He is. He's 33. <laughs> Um, I got a couple here, and they're both things that I've recommended before, people I've recommended before, but they're just good. <laughs> so, uh, did you see Michael Alm's <laughs> nesting trays that he did? Mm-hmm. Yes. Michael so, Alm did, the, did, Michael the, Alm, did my, my cat picture. He did the spike picture in a beautiful oh, yeah. frame. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, recently he did these, these nesting trays, like serving trays, uh, out of plywood, and I don't think there's anything in the construction of them that is like crazy difficult or unique but it's just a really cool design for these trays and how he he made them they fit together he painted the outside of them with this really nice color palette they work together he's just got a great eye for stuff um and makes good videos so uh go check that one out the other one is a peter mckinnon video that i hadn't ever gotten around to watching i don't know when it came out but I watched another one of his videos that was kind of old, and it linked to this one. It's called The Mountains Won't Remember Me. Have you seen this one? Mm, yes. Yeah. Um, it's a movie. It's base. Yeah, it's a movie. It's a. It's a. It's not a vlog so much as a kind of short film. He basically wanted to go take photos in uh, in Canada in these beautiful mountains, and so he made a little movie about taking photos with his friends. And so there's another guy shooting it, and it's kind of cool the way they did it. He goes with his phone and takes a photo of a beautiful place, and then they film him editing the photo on his phone, and then they show the photo, the edited photo over top of the actual background that was shot from the <laughs> film camera, yeah. video camera. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really cool thing. But I think the thing that, that was more important, Peter has a, I would like to hang out with him because he seems like he has a really good kind of level head about the reality of what he's doing and, and, and YouTube and stuff. Like he doesn't seem to be caught up in it. And the title of it, the mountains won't remember me is kind of the point of the whole thing. Like we race and we work and we try to do all this stuff and try to make a name for ourselves. And we try to be important and the mountains don't care. The mountains will be there. They've been there longer than us. They will be there longer than us. And they don't care how popular we are or what we created or any of that stuff. They're beautiful. And they're going to be beautiful when we are forgotten. And I think that's a good thing to remember because it, yeah. in like social media world, we can get really self-important and think that we're whatever and we're not. <laughs> and yeah. I, I actually, it was funny because I heard another thing a couple days ago and listened to this book and it talked about how um, you can look at your your long-term effect in a bunch of different perspectives, right? You can look at it in over the next couple of generations. Like, what can I affect for generations? What can I affect for a single generation? And ultimately, uh, you can, if you, if you get looking at life kind of in a negative way, you can say, well, this is all going to burn up in the sun someday. And nobody's going to remember anything because there won't be anybody to remember anything. If that's your perspective, then you, it's going to be kind of a defeatist way to live your life. But if you if you can scoot back a little bit and start to think about like how you can affect the next couple of generations of people or a person or whatever, then you can get a more clear idea of like what you're doing right now. It kind of helps guide you know where you're going. But I think that whole thing I was reading next to the mountains won't remember me. You know, it's good perspective on yeah what we are and what we aren't won't mean a thing in a hundred years is that blues traveler wrote that song i don't know but it's true either way that's also just a really good beautiful video so if Mm -hmm. you're not if you're not looking for like existential dread or anything you can just go watch the video (laughs) it's a good video the sound off when i when i talk about i want to be able to tell stories better and it's something i'm not good at and i want to get better at like he is the main inspiration Every single video, like he might just be going out and and shooting, and it appears to be like, oh, we're just going to go out and have fun shooting on this location. And then there's he pulls a story out of that, you know, like mm-hmm. Casey Neistat used to be the one who to pull a story out of something. Now he seems to be the um, uh, the uh, uh, an inspiration for a lot of 
storytellers on, on YouTube. And he just does a really, really, really good job about it. There's not a lot of hype. It's just like, yeah, if you're not watching it, you're, you're doing it wrong. I think, and yeah, I agree. There's a million reasons to watch Peter McKinnon and like any of them are totally valid. But I think no matter what you, if you're into video and camera stuff, that's a good reason. If you're into like someone who does YouTube, that's a good reason. If you're into like somebody who has a pretty good perspective on stuff, that's a good reason. Like there's a lot, there's a lot there and you should definitely be watching him. Um, cool. You guys got anything else? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, well, this is probably our last show for the year, so we'll be back in the beginning of January. Um, I hope everybody listening has a fantastic holiday season. Thank you for uh, all your support this past year, for hanging out with us, for listening to us, sending us awesome messages, all that stuff. Um, yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Thank definitely. You. you know, it was three years ago, December 3rd, we did Making It 100. Isn't that crazy? Three years ago, <laughs> That was just a couple wow. months ago. In three years, we're gonna. In a couple years, we're gonna do making it three hundred. Since it's gonna be making it two hundred and three hundred at the same party. Gonna do that. Obviously, oh, yeah. we're terrible at making plans, though, <laughs> because making it two hundred has has gone by. The, the the fall classes that didn't happen. That's gone by. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Well, this is episode two forty one. So mm-hmm. in another year, we'll be getting pretty close to three hundred. So maybe yeah. we can start planning now. Get somebody to help us start planning right. now, and year. maybe we'll be there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Well, thank you guys for thank the, you for thank you too, and thank, thank you, you for thank you, thank you, this, thank you for twenty nineteen, everybody. What a good year! Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys next year. I love twenty nineteen. Thank you. <laughs> Kisses. Kisses.